0: So the question for today is simply this. Are you satisfied? All you have to do is grab a newspaper or jump on the internet and you start reading all these reports, these uh, satisfaction indexes, 19%, according to Forbes, only 19% of all Americans are satisfied with their job, 19%. Are you part of that 19%? Or, or does it depend on the day? If your boss is out of country, you're very satisfied. If you're the boss, if your employees actually show up to work and do their job, maybe you're satisfied. But are you part of the 19% that are satisfied, or are you part of the vast majority that aren't? I just read a Gallup uh, uh, report that says only 30 percent, 30 percent of all Americans are satisfied with the direction of the country. Thirty percent. Are you part of that 30 percent? Or are you part of the 70 percent that have problems with the direction of the country? Are you satisfied? I, we can go down the list. But the the question still kind of keeps coming back. Whatever area, are you truly satisfied? Uh, Last week, I I, uh, I enjoyed the moment, and I'm going to enjoy part of the moment today, where on September 5th, uh, the greatest game was ever played, uh, where the Cowboys beat the Giants. It was the greatest game ever to be recorded uh, in history. And, uh, but as I started thinking about that whole game and my Cowboys uh, beating the Giants on opening night, uh, and I will rest in that fact, because that will probably be the only game that the Cowboys win all year long, uh, that, that they beat the Giants. I love that. Oh, let's just sit in this moment. But I started thinking about that. You know, in the last eight years, last eight years, the New York Giants, underneath the coach of Tom Coughlin, have won the greatest game in the world, the Super Bowl, twice. Twice! In the last eight years. But what's interesting is every year, I mean, the New York City uh, and surrounding area, the media calls for his. Resignation. They call for him to be fired. They're like, get rid of him. But two Super Bowls in eight years. That's what an accomplishment. I mean, how many coaches retire wishing that they could win a Super Bowl? How many players retire wishing that they could win a Super Bowl? How many fans still are hoping that one day their team might. Win a Super Bowl. Last eight years, two for New York Giants. The Dallas Cowboys, they've won one playoff game in the last 15 years. December 28th, 1996. That's painful. That is so painful. I was 23 years old the last time the Dallas Cowboys won a playoff game. I just moved to Vegas. That's how far back I have to go as a Cowboys fan. And so they beat the Giants. All the media starts saying, "All oh, the Cowboys are back. This is their time." Romo is actually being the leader and the quarterback that he needs to be. I'm like, no, he's the same Romo. He's going to find a way to lose. I promise you, I'll take the one win, but that's, that's all I'm going to take. Fifteen years, one playoff win. The Giants, eight years, two Super Bowls. But yet, the New York media, the Giants fan base, oh they're not satisfied my wife's birthday was a few weeks ago and uh, i i like to think that i'm a really good husband i'm thoughtful i'm considerate i go above and beyond as a husband and so i started thinking to myself uh, self what what would my wife want for her birthday And uh, uh, there's kind of three different components to this one idea that kind of jumped into my mind. The the first thing is she actually stated that she wanted this. And husbands out there, guys, you know, whenever your wife says, I want something, that means you should buy that for them for their their birthday. So number one, she said she wanted it. I'm like, score, she said it. Number two, it it would help her. It would help her out significantly. And number three, we could do this together, right? A project, husband and wife, together. I'm like, ingenious idea. So I I, I go on to my favorite place in the world, Amazon. And uh, I go to order it because it's so easy and gets there in two days. And I love Amazon. So I order it. And uh, we spent yesterday uh, doing this together because husband and wife doing things together, that's just Special moment. I I purchased. I know you're all dying to know this. I purchased, uh, you know those invisible fences for your dog? Yep, that's what I bought for her. (laughs) I'm not joking either. (laughs) So they're like, there's a punchline. Nope. A, she she said she wanted it. She did. She goes, Chris, we got to get an invisible fence because I'm tired of the dog running away. It helps. It meets a need. And number three, guess what we did yesterday? Yep, we dug a 500-foot trench around my house to bury the line. It was great, husband and wife, communication and teamwork. It was it was amazing experience, not at all. I, I do have a real present coming her way. She just doesn't know it yet, except she's sitting here right now, so she does know. But I got on Amazon, and I started reading all these different reviews, because there's a lot of different types of of wireless kind of fences for dogs. And uh, again, so you know, they don't shock dogs. I know if you're sitting there going, that's inhumane. No, it's not shocking a dog. It's a static correction. (laughs) That's what they call it. So I'm reading all these reviews, and what amazes me is I'm on all these kind of comment boards, reviews on all these different products. You know, people would get on there, and they'd give it like one star for this one reason. Uh, my, my wireless fence or my, my invisible fence stopped working uh, uh, because lightning struck it. One star. I'm like, seriously? Seriously? If lightning struck you, you would stop working, and God made you. Like, how in the world could any person, any manufacturer, any person who creates any product, like, they can't stand up to that. It's a lightning strike. But all these people, all over these comment boards were like, no, one star, it stopped working, lightning. One star, it stopped. It's like, yeah, lightning. It will make most things stop working. Can't be satisfied. If you love Apple products, right now you're giddy. I mean, if you hate Apple, you're tired of hearing about it. But Apple has built their entire model model around this whole thought that people are never satisfied. I mean, they just launched this last week, their new iPhone 6. Ah, 5. Ah, look at that. It's iOS 6. I failed. We're done. Okay, let's pray. But you guys were all quick. Look at that. I'm impressed. See, iOS 6. I'm just going to say iPhone. It's a phone. Uh, But they launched it. And how many of you just want it because it's new? Not because your old uh, iPhone is bad. Do you remember the times where you have to go 15 years to the last time that the, the Cowboys actually won a playoff game. Do you remember when you would buy a cell, cell phone and you, you would use it until it broke, until the antenna? You remember the antennas? Like, and you're like, did they ever really work? Like, I'm like, uh, the antenna, no, it doesn't matter. But the antenna, the, 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 the keyboard would get all gummy and the, the screen would be cracked. And finally, they're like, okay, I'll get a new cell phone. But now it's like, my cell phone could be six months old. And Apple came out with a new model, and I'm like, I gotta get that. They've built their whole model, understanding that people will never be satisfied. If you've ever had a newborn, maybe you're living in that world right now. Isn't that your whole life? Kevin, who's saying satisfaction, which was amazing. Uh, he just had a new kid this week. A new kid. It's like a new car. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, his fourth, he's working on a basketball team. Uh, and and after that, I think he might upgrade to a football team. Like he's he's almost there now. But I'm like, I'm watching him going, he has this much energy, and he's just a new baby. I mean, babies they're never satisfied. And there's always something, be fed, diapers, like, wow, I was, I was shocked that a little thing could provide so much substance in a diaper, like, wow. We, we taught Claire, my youngest, we taught her um, sign language, because someone said, hey, yeah, teach your child sign language before they can speak so they can communicate. And we were like, that's an ingenious idea. So we, t- we taught Claire how to say more. Oh, the worst idea, don't ever do that. I'm like, I'm like who gave me that advice? You know, let's just wait until she can talk. Yeah, I'll wait. But if you've ever gone through that, I mean, kids, it, they're never satisfied. We live in this Western culture. This Western culture of progress, more innovation, creation, drive, be the best you can be. And we all have that within us. And that's why the question, are you satisfied, is for everyone in this room. Now, maybe what that specifically means might be different. I'm sure we all have a different type of drive. We're all chasing something different. The specifics are different, but, oh, the core issue is the same. You see, we all want to live in what I call the land of Ur. We're all chasing to be on the land of Ur. What is the land of Ur? For some of you, you want to be smarter, and that's your drive. You can't consume enough information. You want to be smarter. For some of you, it's you want to be richer or funnier or prettier or for me, buffer. How am I doing? <laughs> for some of you, you want to be a uh, uh, powerful-er. Er. That's a new word. I'm going to make some words up right now. For those of you who want to be smarter, I am making up words. Yeah. For some of you, you want to be uh, important-er, er. You see, the whole thing is we want to be more. And what's driving us is trying to be satisfied. But see, this is what happens in your pursuit to be richer or funnier or powerful-er, er. That's a great word. You need to use that tomorrow at work in your pursuit, it's never good enough. You know it. I don't need to tell you that. Because as you start climbing up those ranks, as you become prettier or funnier or richer, -er -er, you come to the shores and you look across the water and guess what you see? Oh, it's a beautiful island. Only place for one person on that island. Oh, the water temperature, exactly how you'd like it. Not too hot, not too cold. The sand, perfect temperature, won't burn your feet. You look across the water at that island and you think to yourself, if I could only get there, I'd have people waiting on me. I mean, not too annoying. They just know what I would need and would just bring it to me. If you want people on your island, you would invite them there. If you don't, they just disappear. You know what that island is called? The island of Est. Because once you get to the land of Ur, you're not satisfied. And you want to be the richest, the funniest the most powerful list. the most important-est, the smartest. But there's only room for one person on that island. See, once you get there, to that island, do you think you'll be satisfied? Nope. Because now you have to fight to stay there. Because there's someone always trying to take your spot on that one island. And you'll never be satisfied there. Because then you start thinking, not only do you have to fight to keep your spot on that one island, there's always more. And in your pursuit to the island of Est, not only will you destroy everyone around you, guess what? You'll just destroy yourself. Because it's never good enough. It's never enough. And it will never, never, never satisfy. So what do we do about that? Because you see, it's not about, like, it's not about, like, don't work hard, don't achieve great things, don't innovate, don't, don't be proud of your accomplishments. It's not about that. But how can you continually uh, be your best and work uh, diligently and, and, and accomplish something great in your life and still sit back and be okay with your place in life? Can you live in both worlds? Can you be driven, yet somewhere in the middle of that, still be content? Can you accomplish great things, yet still be content? Can you have nice things and still be content? Can you still gain that position and still be content? You see this drive within all of us. Sometimes we think it's just kind of this Western culture issue. But you go back through the Bible, it's the same thing. I mean, you go back to Genesis. There's only two people, two human beings on the on the earth, and the serpent says, hey, you know that one tree that God doesn't want you to eat from? You need to eat from it. Why? So you can be like God. And what a lie. There's only one God. That drive That compulsion for satisfaction drove them to eat eat from the tree. Several months ago, I came across this verse in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I'm sure for you, like, there's moments where you, like, stumble upon a verse maybe you've read it before but it doesn't quite capture your your heart like it 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 does in that one moment or maybe you've never read it before and you you stumble across this verse and it, it, it makes you kind of stop and pause and this for me was one of those verses that caused me to kind of stop and pause and along the way I was also reading this other book called called the rare jewel of contentment It was written in 1686 I think it was and uh, from this guy named Jeremiah Burroughs. And uh, if, if you want to be smarter, read that book. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that's accomplished uh, the same thing for me. Because I'm like, what did he just say? Uh, it was written a long time ago. But uh, it has stretched my mind. But I came across this verse found in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, again, the book of Philippians is, we call it a book. It's really a letter written by a guy named Paul and uh, the setting is very critical for all of his letters, but especially for these few verses we're going to look at today, uh, because he's in jail. He's locked up. And so he's writing this, this letter to this uh, group of people at a church located in the city of Philippi. And so these are the words he, he was writing, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoice, rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me, Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And basically, he had received this gift from this, the, this church, this group of people. It was just blown away. It had been years and years and years since he had received anything from them. And you think about, I mean, several thousand years ago, it'd be very difficult to, uh, to send a gift. Now we just can email gift cards, and we have companies like Edible Arrangements, it's real simple to send gifts. Several thousand years ago, this was a, a real difficult process. And so he'd received this gift and he was like, Oh, thank you. I mean, you didn't need to, but thank you. Because Paul was in the middle of a, a horrific moment of life. I mean, he was in jail, he was locked up, he was lonely, he didn't know when his next meal was coming. He was confined. He was lonely. He had so many hours to sit there and think about his life and where he used to be and now where he finds himself. He goes on, verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. We'll come back there. Learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it, uh, it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situ- situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, Paul understood what it was like to have it all. You see, before his entire life kind of shifted around and he started following Christ, He was part of this religious elite. He studied at the best school, underneath the best instructor. He had a position of power and authority. People followed him. He ate the best meals. He stayed in the nicest accommodations. He understood how to be at the very, very top He had everything. And now he finds himself locked up in jail. Why? For following Christ. For talking about his faith in Christ. For encouraging other people to just consider who Jesus Christ was. And now he has nothing. So when he says, hey, I understand what it means to be well fed and to go hungry. And when he says, I understand what it means to have all these nice things and to have nothing, he gets that. But you think about how he wrote this. I've learned to be content. Learned. You see, to be content, it's not something that's just wired up with, uh, inside of us. It's a process that we must go through. And that's why we're going to spend four to five weeks talking about this. Learning how to be content. Because our drive is to be satisfied, not to be content. The word uh, 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 satisfy or satisfaction, it comes from this word talking about if you consume food, you will feel full. If you consume something, you'll be okay. But what happens? Your stomach growls, you're hungry, or you just see something really good to eat, you eat it. A few hours later, what happens? You have to consume more, and consume more, and consume more, and consume more, and consume more. And that's why you'll never be satisfied. Contentment says, I still might be hungry and I'll just rest in the fact that I might be hungry. I might want that, but I'm going to rest in the fact that maybe I won't get that. It's being okay in your space of life for where you find yourself and what you have and what you don't have and the relationships you have and don't have and the position that you have and don't have and resting in the fact that you're okay exactly Where you are in life. The great, great theologian. Mick Jagger. He had this nailed. I can't get no. Satisfaction. And I tried. And I tried. And I tried. There's a reason they didn't have me sing it. They had Kevin sing it. He got it. He nailed it. He understood it. And the lie that we all fall into is if I get to the land of Ur, I'll be happy. But if you've ever gotten to the land of Ur, you know you're not satisfied. Because the island of Est is streaming your name. And for a few of you, maybe you've gotten to the island of Est. And you know exactly You're not satisfied. You're not happy. It hasn't solved your needs. Because there's always more. And there's always someone trying to kick you off that island. So we're going to be looking. How do we together, how do we together learn to be content? In all seasons of life. How do we learn to be content in the difficult seasons of life? How do we learn to be content as as we look into the mirror and look at ourselves? How how are we content at that that moment? How are we content in our jobs? How are we content with our families? How are we we, uh, to be content as we drive to be the best? Because God wants us to be the best. He created us. He wants us to be the most creative, the most innovative, the most strategic. He wants us to work hard, accomplish great things for him. So how do we do all of that stuff yet still be content? How can we have a drive within us that's healthy and not driven by satisfaction? We're going to learn together. Yesterday was my first time in five years, uh, other than Kiera, she's my oldest, she's ten, 10 years old, other than her very, very first season of soccer, I've coached her um, uh, every other season. And so it was my first time uh, since she was, I think, four and a half, five, that I, I, I got to uh, sit on the sidelines as a parent and watch her soccer game brutal I'd much rather be coach I'd much rather parents yell at me and scream at me and tell me how horrible I am I'd much rather that I'd much rather be a coach than a parent on the sidelines I leaned over to my wife at one point I said Kim if I start saying things out loud elbow me if I start screaming you know like like elbow me like don't let me uh, be that parent she goes oh don't worry I'll make sure you're not that parent I said thank you I was so good the first half. By the second half, I was pacing up and down the sidelines. I was walking down to one end of the field. I'm like, hey, key, pull up. Hey, key, motion. Like I, I found myself back in that, that, that space. But you know what was amazing for me? Before the game even started, I found myself sitting in this lawn chair having these thoughts. I wonder if he's going to start my kid. Because... I don't want my kid on the bench to start the game. Now, as coach, I probably started uh, Kiera, uh the least because I didn't want that perception. Perception. And I told her, hey, you're not starting not because you shouldn't start, but because you know what? You're my kid. Welcome, welcome to being coach, or being, uh, me being your dad as coach. But as a dad, not coach, I'm like, oh, she better start. I hope she starts. If she doesn't start, oh. Guess what? She started. You know where my mind went next? She better do good. <laughs> she better score. She better dribble around that defense. I, I hope the other parents on the sideline scream for her. <laughs> and then I had this moment. It was like God just reached out and like slapped me. Hey, Chris, do you know what the next five weekends are going to be about at Renaissance? Can you just be content that it's a beautiful day and you're hanging out with your family and that your daughter gets to play soccer and that it's just a great, can you just be content in that moment? Oh. I get it. And that's why Paul wrote those words, for I have learned the secret of contentment. He ends with this verse. Maybe you've heard this verse before. It's kind of one of those popular verses. Maybe you've quoted this verse before. Uh, Maybe on your Facebook wall, if you do the Facebook thing, you've seen someone put some uh, image on their Facebook wall with this verse written. But usually, it's taken way out of context I've actually quoted this verse uh, during my, my races. It's kind of been one of those mental verses that has helped me through uh, some difficult moments where you just want to quit when you're running or riding your bike, where you're like, I just don't want to go any further. It's been one of those verses I've quoted, which, to be honest with you, I've even quoted it out of context. But let's put it back into context. Paul's saying, I've learned the secret of contentment, no matter what comes my way, whether I'm hungry, or well-fed. And then he says this, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things, all things, through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. See, Paul realized for him to fight off his need to be satisfied and to learn contentment, his strength had to come from Christ. Had to, because he couldn't do that on his own. And so as you move through this week and you start staring at the land of Ur or maybe even the island of Est, I hope you think two things. One is this. Learning contentment is a process. And you can't do it yourself. You need the strength of Christ. Only way. Only way. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, today. I thank you for our time together. Lord, I just pray for every person here today. You know where they are uh, in life's journey right now. And uh, I I know for all of us, This is a struggle. So Lord, I pray that you just give us the strength that you've promised us and that we'll lean into your strength in all things. In your name I pray, amen.